MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, May 5th, 2020. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Today, the White House adjusts the death toll up again. Corona, uh, coronavirus cruises, that might as well be what we call them. Carnival cruises thinks it's a fine idea to start sailing again. The death toll is down in New York, and Cuomo is working on plans to slowly reopen. The White House is now prohibiting any task force member from testifying before Congress. SCOTUS hears their first arguments over the phone. Three Russian doctors fall from hospital windows, raising questions. Uh, the Texas Attorney General says fear of contracting COVID-19 is not an acceptable excuse for a mail-in ballot, and Native American tribes sue over stimulus aid. I'm your host, Aid and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know? Good. How are you? Tell me what's inside your butthole. Ooh, what's inside? <laughs> oh, wait. I saw that text and didn't read it. And I just let <laughs> I just let myself have that as some very vague message you sent me that I found no need to follow up on, even though it's incredibly explicit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's listen let's listen to a clip real quick. So, I want to entitle that song Babyfish Mouth because it is sweeping the nation right now and I'm I'm very excited about it. Um who knew? All you had to do was be you know, 5 or 7 years old, however she old uh, however old she is, and adorable. And and write a song about what's inside your butthole. It's perfect. I I'm I am prime audience for that song. Yeah, I I, I forwarded it to all my friends who work in ER in the ER, um, particularly the ones who end up having to remove things from people's buttholes. <laughs> so, <laughs> which are, which by the way, having worked in in around hospitals for the last twelve years, uh, is the water cooler conversation that happens. Um, so anyway, amazing song. Check out that. I think we just played you a clip for the remix. You have to check out the remix if you haven't checked out the remix. It's amazing. <laughs> Love it. Uh, tell me what's inside your butthole. Uh, so what's up with you? Uh, you know, not much. Like in my life? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'm moving in a few days, so that is mm-hmm. interesting. Gearing up for that in the current state of things, mm. but it's going. It's going really well. I'm excited and ready and anticipating massive amounts of anxiety, but that's okay because I know it's coming. <laughs> so at least I'm ready for it. Well, if you ever need to talk or vent or anything, my phone lines are open. Thank you. I know that and I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing really well. I'm having a good week uh, so far. It's Monday, but you know we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's 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 a. It, it, these are the times we live in when you judge how your week is going uh, Monday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Every day is a week. Yeah. It it seems that way. It's almost like that f- clip from The Jerk where he's like, I- I've known you six weeks now. The first week was like a day. And then the second day was like two weeks leading into the third week. And then the third day was like a month. And then the fourth <laughs> day was like two days. And then <laughs> he just goes on like that for... For an extensive period of time, I suggest you look that up uh, um, he's so good. if you haven't. Um, but he says, yeah, they're laying in bed. She's sleeping. And he says, I, 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 I need to tell you something I've never been able to tell anyone before. <laughs> I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the slitted sheet I sit. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been calm enough around anyone to be able to say that before. <laughs> That's the jerk? Yeah. So funny. And now I'm going to ask you to marry me. And if the answer is yes, just don't say anything. (laughs) You've made me very happy. All right. Uh, All right. So now that I've done 18 movie quotes and a song about what's inside your butthole, um, we should probably get to the news. So uh, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, we're going to have to go on a more serious note here. Jordan, you've got a few updates for us uh, from the weekend in news. Can you uh, lay it on us? Yeah. um, So... First story I have is definitely a more serious story. It's looking into how many times Trump has changed 
what the expected death toll is supposed to be in America from COVID-19. He's changed this a lot. Um, Two weeks ago, for example, he was saying that it was going to be as low as 50,000 people. And then one week uh, later, he said that it would probably be as low as 60,000 people. Four days later, uh, the deaths went past that number. And then this past Wednesday, we talked about him saying that the number of fatalities was going to be as low as 65,000. And then just last night on his Fox News thing, he said that I used to say 65,000 and now I'm saying 80,000 or 90,000. That was his Fox interview where it looks like he was dropping a deuce in the Lincoln Memorial. (laughs) Yeah, yes, exactly. Using the Lincoln Memorials. That is... Somebody somebody said, I'm surprised Lincoln just doesn't get up and walk out. <laughs> I know. Although Lincoln does kind of look like he's also sitting and taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of relaxed, though. Trump was like all, you know, straightforward because he's got some weird back brace thing. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like yeah. Mm. It was gross. It was, it was sacrilegious. Gotta love the Fox News choice of anything, really. It's always going to look weird, I feel. They're they're in trouble, by the way. They're in trouble because I think Trump just announced that he's uh, something with Trump trying to buy OAN. They're trying to merge together and take away Fox's audience. Um, Damn. So I think. Uh, oh, God, that's awful, though. If Fox News wants to survive, they should probably pivot to a more facts based, you know, some might call the liberal media. Yeah. Uh, show. Well, because OAN is like theatrical and ridiculous, right? Just like Fox is, but worse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah, they're absolute worst. I mean, at that point, we would have like Russian state television in the United States. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh my god, that is fucked up. Well, um, after that Fox event, he he also put out a fifth projected death toll that now has a death toll saying that you know it could reach one hundred thousand, and we reported on the body bags being ordered and, you know, Trump saying, I hope it doesn't, or the the person that procured them saying, I hope it doesn't get to that point. And now here we are, the numbers are coming out of Trump's own mouth. And when we first reported on that story, we and everybody was talking just about how much that fact of them getting that many body bags was at odds with what Trump was saying. And now every day it's just inching up towards what is likely to be the real number. Uh, keeps yeah and you think about it they, uh, the, the new washington one says like 124 or 134 mm-hmm. and if you take trump's federal government body bag order of a hundred thousand body bags and the va's body bag order of thirty thousand body bags you get you get to that number mm-hmm. yeah and numbers are just like they're continuing to go up and now the daily death toll it's expected will reach three thousand on june 1st this is according to an internal document obtained by the New York Times. And currently the number is sitting at 1,750. So that's that's a really big jump. But despite the fact that this is the numbers, these are the numbers, Trump is currently pressing for states to reopen their, themselves and their economies. So it's just, again, these at-war ideas of what facts seem to be saying and the actions that are being taken and supported seem to be going against those numbers in ways that are impossible to not address Mm. yeah and and that it's gonna go up to three thousand a day it's at 1700 now Uh, if you remember in the middle of april it was up around 27 2800 so it was working our social distancing and keeping shut down was lowering the death rate and and now it's being projected back up to 3000 even by Trump's own admission and that has everything to do with reopening the fucking country. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a really important thing for me to just notice too within myself is so much time relatively has gone by that this has been happening that your brain kind of starts to slip a little bit in terms of maintaining how serious of a situation this really is and I think people also get more and more antsy to get back to normal. So when these things happen, like parks opening up, people are flocking to them because their brain is like almost unable to sustain that level of level-headed, you know, appropriate response to it basically, which is, which looks like staying inside and not doing things unless really they're, they're essential. But that's just really hard 
it's proving to be very, very hard for people in this country to do that. Yeah. But the the thing is, is it's like these models change constantly a lot because, you know, they're taking into consideration how the social distancing measures are currently being implemented and the projections change based on people coming out and flocking out into areas as soon as they get reopened again. So we can just expect these numbers to continue to go up, which is logically just going to, in you know, it's going to make it so much further down the timeline before we get to actually see some sort of normalcy again yeah just pushing back just pushing it back yeah definitely okay next story got another cruise ship update carnival they said monday that they're planning on reopening eight cruise ships before the end of the summer they uh, so far canceled service on some of their lines through september Um, But they said that they were planning to offer cruises from Galveston, Texas, Miami, and Port Canaveral as early as August 1st. Wow. So this is really, really shitty to hear from an industry that, you know, largely, I don't think they're, I can't make an assessment on who's really at fault, but Carnival, for example, was more or less seen as having a bunch of petri, petri dishes that contributed a decent amount to the spreading of this virus globally in general and how that was handled you know it was brand new in the timeline of COVID-19 and it was just a fucking mess and so now the fact that there are still people that they're trying to even get home right now and they're talking about opening up what seems like the last industry that should open up because of how quickly that virus spread with the people that were stuck on the ships yeah, I, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Let's open up, you know, virus boxes that go between continents. Let's do that. Yeah, exactly. So that sucks. Uh, Congress actually started investigating Carnival's handling of that virus when the virus, when the outbreak first started. So they're they're already being investigated for that. Again, it's just nonsensical for them to try to be one of the first industries to open back up. That's, yeah, I'm so with you. It makes no fucking sense. It's absurd. Nobody's going to go. Well, they'll know. They'll have. <laughs> Coming out of Florida. <laughs> they'll have those weird protest cruises. <laughs> protest cruises. Everybody's going on to the cruise with their picket signs. <laughs> yeah. No masks. And yeah. Nobody having any idea where a clitoris is. And they're just all going to jump <laughs> on a cruise. And You know how like I've been on cruise ships. Um, I've been on Carnival a couple times there's always like a little track that goes around the deck they just like go on their track and just protest in circles all day just have their own little uh <laughs> little like meetings of of anarchy on a fucking boat <laughs> yeah we want to go back to work they're on a fucking cruise <laughs> <laughs> it's like well this morning and uh, now the captain's announcements this morning we have kids can decorate their pancakes uh in the mess hall and julie on the lido deck will be giving you all a deadly disease <laughs> enjoy your day yes yeah very strange but i think people are still gonna definitely go when they open up and that's why they should not be doing that because a lot of people think oh you know and for good reason i think in general if there's a giant company that deals with millions of customers over their existence you would think that when they make a decision it would have the best interest of their customers in mind because obviously you would want to do that why would you put your customer base in danger but they don't Mm. that's not the case shareholders bottom line yeah exactly uh and my final story coming out of new york andrew cuomo god increasingly just the best i think in his handling Mm -hmm. with this situation Mm -hmm. Uh, he listed seven requirements that each of that pact on the East Coast, each of the states in that pact, would have to meet before their restrictions could be eased. So just going down those items. First one, states need to see a 14-day decline in hospitalizations or fewer than 15 hospitalizations a day. Number two, a 14-day oh. decline in virus-related hospital deaths or under five a day. Uh, third, a rate of new hospitalizations below two per 100,000 residents per day. Uh, four, a hospital bed vacancy rate of at least 30%. Five, at least 30% of ICU beds available. 
six at least 30 virus tests per 100 that are per 1000 residents per month and lastly at least 30 contact tracers per 100,000 residents so that's wow yeah a really thorough list of- I, I love that he's got you know like number because the 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 task force uh, gating criteria and phases to opening up were like 14 days of decreasing cases. Um, you have to have a good hair day. Jupiter has to be in the second house and then do a dance with some sage and you're fine. Go ahead, go outside. Uh, but this is logical, clear. There's numbers. It's uh, uh, These are achievable goals. Um, and and I, I, I love that he's doing it this way and I hope that um, other states will follow suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, New York, they are definitely over their apex. Cuomo reported 226 more deaths. Um, 226 deaths in the state. And that's their lowest one-day figure since March 28th. Yeah, I, I was watching his um, briefing this morning. And, and the curve looks good. He was discussing how it, it's it, he would he would like it to be going down faster than it is because it went up faster. Uh but it is it is on the downslope, and I, I am glad that um, he's going to continue uh, going the way he's going. And I thought it was interesting, too, over the weekend we learned uh, that most of the cases in New York came from Europe, whereas the cases in California came from Asia. And they're different strains, apparently. Yeah, that is really crazy. I don't understand how science works, but I need to read an article. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for those updates. Um, I think it's really important that we, you know, continue to pay attention to people like Cuomo and Whitmer and and, and Newsom and and less to the you know what's going to be the Kelly McEnany hour. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody called her a McNugget, and I think that's Kelly McNugget. I think that's a good name. Um, and I don't know why. It just it seems like it doesn't offend anyone other than her, and I, that's why I like <laughs> it. Um, except maybe McDonald's, and I'm fine. Uh, with that yeah they're but, they're okay um yeah they're doing fine um so anyway thank you for those updates we have a lot more news to get to and um, we're going to do that right after this break and then of course jordan will be back at the end of the show to go over the good news and the quarantine confessions so stick around after these messages we'll be right back Hey everybody, it's AG, and I have to tell you guys about an amazing new service I found called FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it easy and affordable, ridiculously easy and ridiculously affordable, to custom frame your favorite things without having to leave the house, which is great for right now. Uh, They do this for art prints and diplomas to family photos sitting in your phone. You can FrameBridge just about anything. So here's how it works. Just go to FrameBridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online. Uh, with dozens of different frames and styles and choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, right? Ready to hang. So instead of the hundreds you'd have to pay at a framing store, which you can't go to anyway because we're all stuck at home, their prices just start at 39 bucks, and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off your first order at FrameBridge.com when you use my code DAILYBEANS. Uh, I love FrameBridge. I'm using them to get an extra-large digital photo of the podcast float-mounted with a beautiful black walnut frame. I'm very excited. I can't wait to show it to you all. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. It's great for Mother's Day. Go to FrameBridge.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS to save an additional 15% on your first order. Go to FrameBridge.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. Again, FrameBridge.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS at checkout. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. All right, so we got some headlines for you. The White House last week, as you know, barred Dr. Anthony Fauci from testifying before the House Appropriations Committee. And today, uh, they're barring all task force members from appearing before Congress under new guidance issued by Trump. Uh, The members of the task force and key deputies have been instructed not to accept invitations to participate in congressional hearings in May. um, While other agencies responding to the pandemic are being advised to limit the number of hearings they attend. So it seems as though Trump's argument for this is that the coronavirus task force and the agencies that primarily respond to pandemics need to focus their attention and resources on response efforts uh, uh, and that, you know, having them testify could eat up precious and critical hours uh, because, you know, Trump cares about not wasting any time. Hashtag 70 day delay. Uh, As you know, 
Uh, this new dictatorial move comes days days after White House blocked Anthony Anthony Fauci Anthony Anthony Fauci from testifying before the House Appropriations Committee. And I posited over the weekend during the show as I was doing an interview that it's probably because Trump really hates the House Appropriations Committee because they're the ones that appropriate the funds that he wants to hold up illegally for his own personal benefit, such as Ukraine aid uh, and funding for the World Health Organization. As you recall, the Government Accountability Office, or GAO, which is a legislative joint, by the way, determined that it's against the law for the executive to block funding that's already been appropriated by the House because it violates the Impoundment Control Act. You've heard me talk about the Impoundment Control Act probably more than you'll, you know, you can probably die happy about that. Uh, I don't think you need to hear it from me anymore, but you will be hearing it again because it'll come out from the GAO. I've got all my beans on this that withholding money from the World Health Organization is also a violation of the Impoundment Control Act. But according to Trump's new guidance, quote, no more than one COVID-related hearing should be agreed to with the department's primary House and Senate without uh, authorizing committee and appropriations subcommittee for the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of Homeland Security, and the State Department, with a cap of four coronavirus-related hearings department-wide through the end of the month. Okay. Um... Now, there is one person who can approve exemptions to this new rule. You ready? It's Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, your favorite. Uh, he's totally fair and unbiased, so I'm sure he'll, you know, when he sees a, a real need for Congress to get some answers from some doctors that are on the task force, I'm, I'm totally sure Mark Meadows will probably just shit all over that idea. And here's something cool. Amid the coronavirus pandemic, the Supreme Court did something it's never done today. Two things. First, it heard its first arguments via teleconference. So here's the lead from The New York Times. A few months ago, quote, a few months ago, a coalition of news organizations asked the Supreme Court to allow live audio coverage of major arguments on gay rights and immigration. Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr. rejected. I didn't know he was the J.J.G.R.J.R. Um, anyway, he rejected the request within hours in keeping with longstanding practice at an institution that almost never departs from tradition. But on Monday... The court will break with history twice, hearing the first of 10 cases that will be argued in a telephone conference call and letting the public listen in. It is a momentous step for a cautious and secretive institution, and yet another way in which the coronavirus pandemic has forced American society to adjust to a new reality, unquote. That's from The New York Times. So a few months ago, a coalition of news organizations asked SCOTUS to allow live audio coverage, as we said, um, on gay rights and, and and the like, but he said no. Um, he 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 would rather not. Justice Chief Justice John Roberts Jr. Um, so, in any case, uh, those barriers have been broken. Now the question is whether, at least, some of the changes may last beyond the coming two weeks. Um, the court has never before heard a case by phone. This is a move that lawyers fear will degrade the quality of the arguments and the spirited give and take of the courtroom. Um, nor has the court ever allowed live audio coverage of its arguments on rare occasions, releasing same-day audio, but usually waiting until the end of the week to do so. Um, the justices might not return to the bench in October, though, looking at this in, in future terms, uh, especially if the virus is still a threat, uh, as everyone is sort of, you know, thinking this second wave might come. Now, let's be clear, nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, I just want to put that out there. Um, history, history would say... It's going to come back in the fall. But again, nobody knows for sure what's going to happen. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 87. Um, Justice Breyer is 81. Remember that guy? Four additional members of the court. Roberts, Thomas, Alito, and Sotomayor are older than 65. Uh, courts around the nation and the world routinely do not allow audio but camera coverage. Uh, only they, uh, Sorry, they routinely allow only audio but not camera coverage of their arguments. Um, the justices have offered various explanations for their resistance to live access to their work in the past. Some have said they feared showboating from the lawyers. That would be my number one thing is to have a DOJ lawyer come in there and, and use it as a, a, a minute to get a, a sound bite or a, a clip, you know, to use for the news. Um, they have also worried that their questions, um, some which include color colorful hypotheticals, would be taken out of context. So that's an interesting um Interesting thing to know about why they have some trepidation about doing it this way. Here's something I did not know. There is something called the Supreme Court Institute at Georgetown University, which has a widely admired moot court program that lets lawyers test drive their arguments before appearing in front of the justices. And it has a new menu of options now. 
Uh, the new format also means lawyers arguing from the, their offices alone, um, which is new. Uh, one lawyer said he'd be sitting in front of a fancy new speakerphone he bought just for the occasion. He's not planning on wearing a suit, uh, though the Supreme Court has not said whether the justices will be wearing robes. Uh, new York Times here says it seems unlikely. Uh, I just like to imagine like a like a dicky half robe with no bottoms, so you can wear your robe on top but no pants. Um, <laughs> just like wearing, yeah, or maybe just the collar and nothing else, like Chippendale style. Uh, though I digress, I shouldn't mock the institution. But these are weird times, and I'm mainly just hoping Kate McKinnon is listening and does an RBG conference call with half a robe on Saturday Night Live. That's really the only reason I brought that up. But. Um, not sure if they're going to wear their robes, but lawyers aren't going to wear suits, probably, at least not this one specifically. One of the benefits of being on a conference call is you can take substantive notes and look shit up on the fly to sound more prepared, though it is hard to do that when you're listening intently to what the judges are asking you. But in addition to the case on Mr. Trump's financial records, a major test of presidential power, the court will hear arguments on whether members of the Electoral College may cast their votes for presidential candidates other than the ones they had pledged to support before. The court will also hear arguments in two cases involving religion. One concerns how broadly federal employment discrimination laws apply to schools run by churches. In the other, the court will decide whether the Trump administration may allow employees to limit women's access to free birth control under the Affordable Care Act. I bet you can guess which side Trump is on. So that's what's going on in the Supreme Court. And don't forget May 12th. It's going to be interesting. That's the uh, Mazars Deutsche Bank case, and the arguments are going to be live. We're going to be listening, so stick around for that. Uh, it's a week from today. And in other news, three Russian doctors have fallen from windows in Russia. You know, I wonder, I wonder if they have an infrastructure week in Russia so they can address their flimsy window construction issues, because this happens a lot in Russia, falling out of windows. I think maybe they should just say no more multi-story buildings in Russia. Everything's on the first floor. But from CNN, through three frontline healthcare workers have mysteriously fallen out of hospital windows in Russia over the past two weeks, bringing public attention to the working conditions for doctors and medical professionals in the pandemic. If uh, having these uh, doctors fall out of uh, windows was meant to divert attention away from this, it's definitely not doing that now. Um, Two are dead. One remains hospitalized. But all three incidents, which are being investigated by the totally fair Russian law enforcement authorities that don't allow, uh, you know, they're, they're loyal to Putin. Um, anyway, these investigations have prompted intense discussion in the Russian press and on social media. Uh, Dr. Shulipov is in serious condition after falling out of a second floor hospital window where he worked and he was receiving treatment after testing positive for coronavirus. Interestingly, he was hospitali hospitalized for coronavirus on April 22nd, which is the same day he and his colleague, Dr. Uh, Koziakin, posted a video online saying Shulipov had been forced to continue working after testing positive. Uh, Kosyakin had also previously criticized the hospital for shortages of, p shortages of PPE on his social media and was questioned by the police for spreading fake news. Three days later, after falling out of the window, Shulapov retracted his statements, saying that the video uh, of uh, Kosyakin was made when he was overwhelmed by emotions, and he put then out a second video with the hospital's head doctor saying they totally have enough PPE. My bad. I was emotional. On May 1st, Dr. Elena, let's see, Nepomnyashnya, no, Nepomnyashaya, yeah, there we go, Nepomnyashaya, Nepomnyashaya, I like that, fell out of a window during a meeting with a religious health official, uh, multiple religious health officials she was meeting with, discussing turning the clinic into a COVID facility. She was reported to have opposed those changes because of, you guessed it, lack of protective equipment. Sensing a pattern? I'm sensing a pattern. Um, and then, uh, on April 24th, Dr. Natalia Lebedieva, uh, head of the ER at the main training base for Russian cosmonauts, fell out a window. She also tested positive for coronavirus. No news on what she was opposing, but I'll put beans on it being shutting down the Russian space program, perhaps. I don't know, but she, um, was at the hospital there, um, treating patients and contracted coronavirus and on April 24th fell out her hospital room window happening all over the place doctors getting coronavirus falling out of windows because they oppose opening COVID clinics because of equipment shortages and whatnot sure it's all just coincidental 
and back in the United States. Native American tribes are suing over coronavirus stimulus aid. The group suing the group of tribal leaders are suing the Treasury Department for failing to provide billions of dollars in coronavirus relief that were allocated for the tribes in the 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus package, setting off one of the most significant legal battles between tribal governments and the United States in years. As we know, the human and economic toll has been disproportionately cruel to tribes across the country, uh, which were already crippled by lack of federal resources. The stimulus law mandated $8 billion be provided to tribes by the end of April. End of April. It is Cinco de Mayo. Tribal leaders say they have yet to receive any of it. Uh, The delay, according to the New York Times, seems to stem in part from a dispute among the nation's native populations, which are feuding over who is entitled to the aid. It pits Alaska Native corporations and for-profit businesses, which serve tribal villages in Alaska, against federally recognized tribal governments in the lower 48 that argue the corporations should not be eligible for relief. Sounds familiar. As you can probably guess, Trump has sided with the corporations. But in a ruling Monday, Judge Amit Mehta uh, of the U.S. D.C. District Court sided with the tribal governments and has issued a temporary injunction to stop funds from being sent to the corporations while the case plays out. But Friday, the Treasury wrote a status report to the court that says it, it has not yet arrived at a determination as to how it's going to allocate the money. The outcome of the lawsuit will dictate how the stimulus funds and any future relief are allocated among the fi- nearly 500, no, 574 federally recognized tribes. Not nearly. There are 574 federally recognized tribes. But it also all but guarantees that some of the aid will remain frozen during this litigation as the lawsuit plays out. And that leaves tribal citizens without critical federal assistance as the number of deaths on some reservations eclipse that of entire states. And I have a feeling that's by design. Incidentally, if the name Amit Mehta sounds familiar, he's the one who ruled in the D.C. District Court that the House of Representatives is entitled to the Mazar's documents with Trump's tax returns. He made that ruling about a year ago. It's been that long. And that's one of the cases that will be heard by phone in the Supreme Court a week from today. We'll be right back with a legal discussion about the Texas Attorney General's decision to disallow COVID-19 as an excuse for absentee voting. And we'll have former federal prosecutor and host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti, on deck to answer questions. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. If you're like me and you're looking to reduce unnecessary trips out of your house trying to avoid sold-out grocery stores, I recommend you check out Sunbasket. It is a perfect and delicious solution for the times we're living in. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals right to your door. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, that's me, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient with everything pre-portioned, which I love. I don't, I'm not a cook. I burn jello. So they pre-portion it. It's ready to prep and ready to cook. And you enjoy a, a dinner of full organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, which I also love because I'm so busy. So no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen, uh, of which I have like seven minutes, uh, it, you're, you're going to have a great meal in less than 15 minutes. And each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from. So you can try mouthwatering dishes such as uh, Hwazan steak, strip, lettuce cups with uh, pickles daikon and carrots, roasted salmon, that's my favorite, with a miso-glazed eggplant, black bean tostadas, Diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole. It's a lot of good stuff, Sun Basket. So you can order recipes from across their menu. Skip a week if you want. You can snooze it or double up on your favorite recipes. It's simple and easy. No gotchas. And Sun Basket facilities have the highest levels of food and employee safety. They are reinforcing strict adherence to their existing standard operating procedures and increasing sanitation frequency in their distribution centers in order to protect you and your family and their employees. Right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order, your first order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and promo code dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, From the Dallas News, last month, a state judge in Travis County said voters afraid of contracting coronavirus could vote by mail. But that decision was, uh, well, it was widely touted as a victory for voting rights amid the pandemic. But the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, has overturned that decision. And joining us today to discuss the legal ramifications and aspects of this decision is former federal prosecutor and host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti. Renato, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Happy to do that. How are you? How are you holding up? You know, I'm doing okay. Uh, Look, it's been uh, not easy for my family. 
Yeah, there's definitely, I think everybody is going through some uh, measure of, of difficulty during this time, but uh, I'm fortunate that I can work from home, which is uh, something that not everyone is able to do. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you there. When, when I uh, pivoted to podcasting from the federal government, uh, I didn't realize how fortunate I was to be getting a work-at-home job built in with not having to be in a hospital anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no so, doubt. Uh, much, much appreciation and gratitude to our frontline healthcare workers, for sure. Without a doubt. So, question about this Texas Attorney General, uh, Paxton. Uh, are state attorneys general allowed to just overturn state court rulings like this? No. I mean, he is essentially suggesting that he has. And what he's done is there was a, a a ruling by a Texas judge that said that voters could request a ballot, an absentee ballot, if they were concerned about contracting COVID-19. And essentially, he appealed that, and he said that, you know, effectively, this is stayed while the, while this is on appeal. And, you know, he is giving an instruction to everyone that uh, this ruling is wrong, that no government official should um, should uh, follow its ruling, and you know he threatens criminal action, which is absurd. Uh, if if you uh, if you uh, tell voters that they should try to get a ballot uh, through you know an absentee ballot during this time, the reality of the matter is this is going to work its way through the court system, and there's going to be a definitive statement, you know, by a higher court that's going to ultimately put this matter to rest. It'll probably make its way up to the Texas Supreme Court. But in the meantime, uh, what Mr. Paxton is doing, Attorney General Paxton is doing, is essentially discouraging people from getting ballots, reducing the number of ballots that are out there, uh, and it's going to have a, a significant impact. Well, do you think if this goes to the Texas State Supreme Court, um, like Wisconsin went to the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, which ended up in the Supreme Court of the United States, that they would force in-person voting as they did in Wisconsin? You know, it's really hard to say what the Supreme Court will do. I mean, one of the issues is, as Paxton points out, that the way that the Texas code, election code is written really ties, you know, it ties the, the ability to get a, um, a absentee ballot to whether or not the voter has a, quote, sickness or physical condition, and the condition prevents the voter from appearing in person without needing personal assistance or injuring the voter's health. And so, you know, it doesn't quite fit uh, the current situation. And so I think it, you know, this is the sort of thing in which, you know, other, first of all, other Republican attorney general are interpreting their state statutes to permit people to get absentee ballots. And in other states, there have been court battles that have been won, just like this court battle we had in Texas. But what we have here is a statute that's not written uh, in a way that covers this. And it's possible that the, the, the state Supreme Court and or the United States Supreme Court could potentially go this way. You know, and if not, if that doesn't happen, uh, in the, at the very least, in the meantime, uh, Mr. Paxton is, is chilling uh, people from get a ballot, getting a ballot and, uh, and people from uh, encouraging others to get ballots by threatening criminal action. So it's already doing damage um, uh, even this early on in the game. But, you know, like you said, that statute says you people who legitimately ill and cannot vote in person without assistance or jeopardizing their health. But doesn't the threat of contracting coronavirus jeopardize your health? Or, I mean, that kind of raises the question, what if you have a pre-existing condition like diabetes known by doctors to be exacerbated by contracting COVID-19, which in turn raises... HIPAA and health privacy concerns. I mean, how can this possibly be mandated? Yeah, I think that you could say, I think that on, even in, in Ken Paxton world, you could come, you could say, I have diabetes and because I have diabetes, um, I cannot, I am at risk of, you know, it, my health can be injured uh, if I go to the voting booth because of COVID-19, I think in even in his world, he hasn't considered, you know, that he doesn't consider that in his proclamation. But I think even in, in his reading of the law, that would have to be permitted. So there's going to be some group of people who are going to be OK. I think the issue is that for everyone else in Texas and I look, my father lives in Texas. So I, you know, I, I, I'm somebody who cares about this for other people in Texas who don't have that kind of condition. Um, let's just say you're elderly or let's just say that, you know, um, 
you know, you're somebody who is worried that perhaps your immune system isn't as strong. You tend to get sick easily. You know, you don't have a physical condition that's documented, um, and you should, you know, you, you don't want to lie. Essentially, it's putting people in a position of having to lie uh, in order to get a ballot or risk their health, which, of course, people did in Wisconsin. Yeah, and as we know from uh, evidence-based medicine so far, young, healthy people with no pre-existing conditions can have strokes or have their leg amputated from blood clots from this this disease somehow in, in like maybe about a, a third of patients that, that have been you know, studied, not peer reviewed, are having clotting problems, like a, like the opposite of Ebola, which is like a bleeding problem. So, I mean, there's no way to tell. And like you said, why not then? Why wouldn't I just say, yeah, nope, I got I have diabetes and get my mail in ballot. And uh, he can't check. It's against the law for him to look into my medical records. Yeah, I mean, certainly as a practical matter, people can do this. People can attest whatever, and he, he's not going to ultimately, uh, you know, you know. I think go beyond what people are attesting to. But people shouldn't have to lie to get a ballot, and people also shouldn't have to risk their health to get a ballot. I think you know part of the issue, AG, is is two things. First of all, you know, we don't have a strong federal right to vote. Okay, there is the right to vote is mentioned in the Fourteenth and Fifteenth Amendments, but. Um, courts have not interpreted uh, kind of what I'll call a thick right to vote at the fe- you know from you know from the federal constitution where they that imposes you know uh, obligations and significant restrictions on the states in terms of how they conduct voting. Now certainly they they can't discriminate on the basis of let's say race or or sex or something like that. But you know as we know they put a lot of restrictions like voter ID and so forth to to inhibit voting, and the Supreme Court has upheld. Um, all sorts of, or, you know, tolerate all sorts of restrictions. Um, but we also really could use a federal law that regulates sort of the manner of voting, because frankly, um, you know, as as things stand uh, now, there's just a lot of states that, you know, have laws like this one, uh, or some of them, even if they have laws that uh, are better written, they just don't have the funding to make sure that everyone has the uh, ballots that they need. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought up the law because aside from any potential remedies that could happen before the election, that's the court system. But as far as a, a federal law protecting voters' rights, and we have the Voters' Rights Act, um, would it? I guess it wouldn't need to be a constitutional amendment. Uh, we do have an FEC. We do have federal voting laws. For example, Trump broke a bunch of them with Russia, but. Uh, you know, you can't indict a sitting president, but uh, and obviously that's all speculation. But either way, I mean, we have federal voting laws, so why not just take an existing federal voting law and beef it up? You know? Yeah, well, certainly we could. I think the issue is that Mitch McConnell is going to block that in the Senate, and so you know, really, what this means is that for everyone uh, here uh, that's listening, do what you can in your own state to move things forward. If you're in Texas, it's the Texas Civil Rights Project that has been doing the litigation uh, you know, on this issue. You, they could really use your support. You can get involved and do what you can to support them and chip in to help them. And in other states, you know, I, I know I've talked to uh, activists who started a, 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 a similar effort in Indiana. So I think that you know, there are uh, percolating throughout states uh, voters who are doing what they can to make sure that people have access. But we've got to start now uh, because court uh, the court process and litigation takes a lot of time, and so you need to start now to make sure that you lobby your legislators to get changes in state law, and also you need to make sure that people are going to have access, not just on paper having the ability to get a ballot, but actually have ballots that are pre, uh, pre-postmarked pre and uh, postage paid and sent to them. Yeah, and we have to make sure that the postal service is open, too. Uh, and uh, I, I just wanted to clarify when I was insinuating that we could, ha- you know, beef up an existing law to put federal protections in, in place for, for voting. I meant after this election. <laughs> I, I, that's not happening, uh, which is why I'm glad you brought up the alternative, because that, that's why I was like, well, what are any legal remedies before the election? That's just the courts. But I'm really glad you mentioned, you know, because you, you, you and I talked about this the last time you were on the show. You have to call your local voter registrar voters, find out. If you can vote by mail, how you can vote by mail. If not, what are the options? What are they doing? You know, press your local uh, and, and municipalities and state governments to figure out and find out now. Uh, because I, I know the election is six months away, but six months goes by so fast in, in government years. <laughs> when, yeah, and for and in a lawsuit, uh, six months is nothing. So 
uh, as somebody who practices law uh, uh, regularly and litigates all over the country as a short period of time. So, you know, if you need to go to court, uh, this now is going to be the time to do that. And certainly um, it's not easy to get laws changed. So vote, you know, there are people across this country and state by state who are trying to organize on this issue in your own state. Make sure that the laws are permissive regarding uh, vote by mail to make sure that you'll have access to the right to vote. And if you and others like you don't, uh, now is the time to organize and take action. Yeah, and specifically ask, too, if you're in a state where uh, not, you know, the fear of contracting coronavirus is something that you can get an absentee mail in, in uh, ballot for. That's something that just because of exactly what happened in Texas, you you know, you just you don't know if it's, some allow absentee voting, some won't are now disallowing specifically uh, the reason being fear of contracting coronavirus. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, for speaking with me today. Where can people find you in your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my podcast is called On Topic. On Topic with Renato Mariotti. You can find it on all uh, major podcast apps. Uh, if you want to look at past episodes and our guests, you can go to ontopicpodcast.com, all, which is all one word. Um, uh, and certainly you can find me on Twitter, uh, R-E-N-A-T-O underscore M-A-R-I-O-T-T-I. Yep, I highly recommend following. Um, it's it's a great feed, and uh, your and your your podcast as well. Excellent topics, excellent guests. So thank you so much, former federal prosecutor, host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti. Thanks for joining me. Thanks a lot. All right, after this break, we have the good news block and quarantine confessions with Jordan Coburn. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by TheZebra.com. In these crazy COVID days, we're all trying to find out ways to save money, but Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion, and I bet that number has gone up since we're not driving. Uh, We can't afford to waste resources right now, but oftentimes searching for better insurance can take hours. You have to be on the phone. Typically, it results in a barrage of unwanted spam calls. You have to get pressured by salespeople, but not anymore, thanks to TheZebra.com. The zebra, the, the zebra doc, the zebra dot com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site. I'm leaving that in because it is the only place you can compare quotes side by side from over 100 providers at the same time and choose the best one for you in 90 seconds or less. Plus, they never sell your information. So the spammers won't call you and you won't get the emails. You just answer a few questions on a simple form and uh, they find you the best rates and coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls the Zebra Kayak for Auto Insurance. And the best part, it's completely free. And you can save up to $670 a year um, using thezebra.com. I know we could all use that extra cash right now. So check out thezebra.com. How much can you save on car and home insurance? Go today and start saving at thezebra.com slash daily beans. That's thezebra.com slash daily beans spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash daily beans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for your favorite part of the entire show. Uh, it, I think, I don't know, I could be wrong. Uh, maybe you like the B block the best. I, I really don't know. Uh, but in any case, it's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And joining me today for the good news feature is Jordan Coburn. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Excellent. <laughs> I am wonderful. It's been years since we've spoken. Um, and I just, I, I, for, I forgot what your voice sounded like. I'm so glad to hear you finally. Aw, thank you. I can never forget what your voice sounds like. I'm kidding. I, I remembered what your voice sounds yes. like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I, I, I would need to, uh, you know what? I'm glad to speak to you again. How about that? Me too. Wonderful. Wonderful. And Mandy's doing wonderfully, everybody. Mandy says hello. Um, so I just wanted to give you all that message from her. She's doing great. She's having a good day. She's having a good week. Um, I have some good news right off the top that was just sent to me. This just in. And this is where I shake the... Oh, here's my... This just in paper. Ships at sea. Ships at sea. This just in. This just handed to me. I look Sam the Eagle on the Muppets. Mirror. Um... <laughs> the lawyer who filed a slew of defamation lawsuits for Devin Nunes moo, may face sanctions. Uh, Stephen Biss. Do you remember Stephen Biss, lawyer for ah. Devin Nunes, was recently warned by two judges, both of whom noted the possibility that Biss could face sanctions from the court. 
uh, if the practice of filing frivolous defamation cases persists. Uh, This is from the Fresno Bee. On Monday, Fusion GPS, the research firm behind the Steele dossier, uh, filed the most recent request for a court to sanction Biss late last month. It happened after Nunes filed on his third $9.9 million lawsuit alleging the firm was engaged in active, coordinated, and ongoing corruption, fraud, and obstruction of justice over the information provided in the dossier, none of which has been disproven. Nunes and Biss's first two attempts to sue Fusion GPS were dismissed by a federal judge, uh, f- failing to state a claim. So, there you have it. Love that. Could be sanctioned. I suppose it could have done schadenfreude, but this, yeah, it's just wonderful. And U.S. District Judge Liam O'Grady, remember? Liam O'Grady. (laughs) He's the one who dismissed the second attempt to file the the, the fusion lawsuit in February, uh, stating the complaint includes rote statements of law and conclusory allegations which fall short of the pleading standard and was insufficient to support a substantive ruling on the issues. He also issued a warning saying Biss could file another amended complaint in 30 days if he can do so pursuant to Rule 11. Uh, The rule addresses at length sanctions, meaning you can file another suit as long as you don't do some shit that will make me put sanctions on you. Sounds fair. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So um, what sort of uh, listener good news do we have now that we've covered Moonez? Yes, that is such good news. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, first, from Anonymous. Anonymous says, good news. My retiree MAGA father, who moved to the asshole of Florida about six years ago, called me today. He never calls. Not even for my birthday, so I was worried something was wrong. Turns out, he had seen on Fox News that New Jersey, where I now live, we're originally from Pennsylvania, is even more densely populated than New York. And he started thinking about me and worrying about me and wanting to talk. Even better news, he's actually doing what he's supposed to be doing and staying home, which is honestly surprising. But the main thing I wanted to share is that he told me the school district where his wife works has a lot of students who live in poverty. Many of them rely on the schools for food, so the district has been preparing food, which the families can come to pick up. Each package has enough food to last a family two to three days, and because many of the students don't have internet connectivity or computers at home, the district is also signing out Chromebooks to those families and sending school buses out to set locations wired up to function as mobile hotspots during the day so the students can get their work done for a really low income red area in florida i found that really surprising and great and worth a share that's incredible holy shit yeah awesome yeah that's a lot of coordination and honestly resources that's cool thank you for sharing yeah, it, it, you must have like a degree in project management to coordinate all that. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot, a lot. Uh, next up from Audrey. Audrey says, good news. My local chapters of Indivisible are still very active in organizing folks to keep working to get out the vote and counter voter suppression from home. If we want to fix all of this shit show we're in here and on the planet, the most important thing of any, the most important thing any of us can do is vote the asshole and his asshole friends out. All of our focus should be on the fall election now. I'll bet the chapters of Indivisible and Swing Left near you will help you get to work. Please, let's not feel helpless and scared. Let's take the future into our own hands. Thank you, Audrey. Yes. Wonderful. Well put. We did a lot of uh, promotion of Swing Left in 2018, and that was awesome. Everything they do. Highly encouraged to go. And 2019. We did We did it on our, our, tour, our tour, too, in yes, 2019. Totally. Yeah, so mm-hmm. go to both their websites, Indivisible and Swing Left. Okay, uh, finally, from Deborah, good news. My 94-year-old mother lives in a nursing facility, and there are no coronavirus cases. There aren't any cases in the assisted oh. living section where my father lives either. So glad they're both well. Oh, thank That's so good. That's so... Uh, I, 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 until you found that out, that had to pr- probably be so worrisome, you know, given... Given all the news we're seeing about assisted living facilities and nursing homes and, 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 and places like that. So I'm so glad to hear that. Absolutely. Me too. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, everybody that submitted good news this week. You can submit those at Daily Beans Pod. And thank you to Mandy Reader, who compiles these every day that we do this. Okay, that's good news. Uh, next up is my favorite segment, Quarantine Confessions. <laughs> All right, for quarantine confessions, we got a decent amount of those today. Thank you. Our first one is from Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, you guys said the other day, yeah, I'm just catching up. I'm working from home and homeschooling. Shoot me. Winky face. 
it's more of a winky blob over email <laughs> winky blob um <laughs> You, you guys said the other day that you've been getting a lot of quarantine confessions about people giving their family members disastrous haircuts. In case you haven't seen it, check out the video Adam Schiff's daughter made and he posted on his Instagram of her giving him a haircut. It's just awesome and super cute because he is such a dad and she is such a 21-year-old just ragging on her dad. Aw, I didn't see that. That's cool. Oh, she's 21. I thought the, I thought she would have been like seven or something. She's 21. That's so funny. <laughs> Oh, I love oh, that. That's amazing. Haircut by Lexi. I cannot wait to see it. Oh my God, I love it. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes, thank you so much. All right, next up from Lindsay. Confession. My two-year-old is basically feral now while my husband and I try to work and homeschool our five and seven-year-olds. Today, it was too quiet for a couple of minutes, so I ran upstairs to look for him and found him scribbling all over the hardwood floors. At least he's good at amusing himself. Oh, God. Everybody knows a quiet child is there's a problem. Every Yes. <laughs> everyone and and you don't notice it until your hardwood floors yes. are scribbled upon. You're like, it's I know what happened. You're like homeschooling your others and then you're like, it's awfully quiet. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go check that out and then you have uh, a new custom hardwood floor. I yes. I feel like whenever they're quiet, that's when they're just silently chanting hymns of the devil. That's why you don't hear anything. They're just summoning up whatever monstrosity is about to happen. It's so true. I am not listening to you. Satan is good. Yes. Satan is your pal. <laughs> it's yeah. like mm-hmm. my little sister. She was so adorable, but like such a shitster sometimes. And it's like we, we walked in on her one time and she's sitting in the kitchen in a leotard and she had she's maybe like two or three and she had dumped an entire thing of beans like uncooked beans onto the floor and she was just maniacally and devilishly like laughing and playing with the beans and it's like how did we not even hear the beans crash she's sitting she's sitting literally like she got double dared 2000 in beans just all over the floor (laughs) and was it like a ceramic container of like dry beans we had an, a gigantic hamper just filled with dry beans i don't know why it wasn't a decoration it was just like a huge giant thing of beans probably because jackie liked playing with it actually but uh, yes yeah. but it's an adorable photo and here we are on the daily beans exactly but yeah my point is that it's amazing the trouble that people freaking kids get into so silently it's so funny um silent and quickly yes exactly yeah sorry about your floors they have no concept of permanence let alone cleaning (laughs) in general no now i remember the video of the little girl scratching i love you dad on the side of his car with a rock oh my god (laughs) and your 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 heart's melting because she says i love you dad but if she scratched (laughs) the side of your car that's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that's perfect. Next, from Anonymous. Anonymous says, COVID confessions. I've been a stay-at-home mom for the past six years. I'm currently trapped in my house with my four and five-year-old boys and a seven-year-old girl. On a good day, I remember to feed the dog and mostly check that the kids have eaten something. Some days, I pat myself on the back because everyone is alive. And other days, I lose my shit because the four-year-old is naked on the counter toasting bread. I feel like I'm living inside Jumanji, and to escape, I lock myself in my closet and longingly search for jobs. <laughs> oh my is, gosh. Um, that one sounds familiar. I feel like we read that one yesterday or the, the day before, but yeah, it, oh, it, really? it is Lord of the Flies. Oh, that's the it first really one. Is when you, when first you... time I read it, so it was new to me. But yes. Well, there you go. You yes, got to enjoy it. I enjoyed it, yeah. Um, yeah, that's... I fucking give the biggest props in the world to moms. That is such a scene, especially when your kids are like that close together in age, four, five, and seven. It's just like a triple dose of whatever the fuck you're dealing with, good and bad, (laughs) all the time. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Um, But beautiful. The circle of life. Next up, from Jordan. Hey, yo. Yes. Hey, Jordan. Uh, from Jordan. <laughs> the other day. <laughs> the other day. But you love Lady Smith Black Mombazo. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> you love Lady Smith Black Mombazo. 
What? It's from Mean Girls. Oh, who says that? The best friend? The mom. Oh, the mom. Oh. Her mom. Oh, that's funny. To her. That's funny. Okay. <clears throat> from Jordan, not to me. Uh, the other day I saw... That'd be a weird move if I just took up quarantine confession time. And, okay. The other day I saw the mail carrier arriving with our mail. We exchanged pleasantries and he went on his way. I turned around and said to my wife with a loud voice with the door still open, Our mailman is so handsome. Turned back around and there he was at my front door holding a package he had forgotten to leave. Not sure he was more embarrassed, but we all got a laugh out of it. You should have said nice package. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then he will be the most original mailman. Who heckles a mailman? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh, That's uh, so great. No, but you heckled him with handsome comments. Yes, exactly. Uh, Jordan goes on to say, Worth noting that I am a queer cis female, happily married to another queer cis female, and that our seven-year-old observed the whole thing. A good time was had by all. That's so funny. Ah. <laughs> uh, Love that. That's fantastic. I've done that. Oh, yeah. That's... I never thought of, like, the concept of openly, like, flirting or, like, talking about someone fondly like that. You know? That's, like... That's a nice... That is a nice example, I think, to observe. It's, like, res respectful reverence for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I was I had my headphones on <laughs> and I was like standing in line at the coffee place and I was like, dude, that guy's fucking hot. And it came out loud of my mouth, uh, but I had my headphones on. So <laughs> I, I thought I was talking to myself and the guy was like, thanks. Oh, and I took the headphones off and went, what? And he's like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really awkward. <laughs> Did you? Did you like talk? I just finger gunned him and then took off. Oh my God. Did you order your coffee or were you waiting for coffee? I was waiting for coffee. I had it. Oh, you had it. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. No. It, yeah. It had come. Okay. And, good. and, and, and yeah. I was yeah. going to say, that'd be great if you just abandoned the mission. <laughs> just <laughs> abort. Yeah. Abort. Like, God damn you, <laughs> Must headphones. go to different coffee house. That's three Starbucks this Must week. <laughs> Must go to different coffee house forever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, relatable okay um next up from urn i'm not sure if it's urn or it's supposed to be aaron part of me hopes urn that's a dope name too i'm just gonna say it's urn and trust the typing the good news i have two dobermans a distinguished elderly lady named ari and zooming zany devilish young girl named watson that's cute i love that name watson ari is 13 when she was still a puppy, we discovered she had several health conditions that meant she wouldn't live past seven years, if we were lucky. However, we were really lucky, and she has grown up to be a happy old dog. My husband's physical therapy training turned out to be extremely useful this weekend when she jumped off my tail and hurt her back, her back zoomer. After alternating heat pad and ice packs all day and gentle massages, she was able to walk last night. And with continued treatment, she has been getting better. She can't be up on the bed anymore, poor girl, and we have to be more careful with her. But hopefully, we have lots more time with her. The quarantine confession, I worked from home already, so it wasn't much of a change for me when my state shut down. But I've been taking complete advantage of the complete relaxation of work-life balance in favor of doing more stuff for myself. I've been trying to get back into running. Problem is... My usual running pal, Watson, is a huge leash puller, and I spend my runs trying to keep her at my side or else being yanked off my feet midair when she decides to speed up. I discovered a great hack. I put a harness on her, a belt around my waist, and a bungee leash to connect us. I let her pull me up the hill. It's a win-win. She gets to pull. Hey! <laughs> but now she's got my weight to haul up the hill so she gets a better workout, and my runs, while still completely terrifying, have never been so fast. Luckily, she knows whoa nice. and her direction so she can run safely without running into traffic. <laughs> so to all my neighbors watching a dog run her heart out, her human trailing behind like a parachute, <laughs> you're welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> That's so funny. I've never seen a bungee leash. <laughs> that must. I have one. I have one. Oh, that, is that. Does it go around your waist or do you just hold it? Yeah. You put a belt on and then you hook it to your waist. It's a bungee leash. It, I was using it for training uh, Olive when she was younger to just keep her next to me in the house all the time while I was doing whatever, walking around doing chores and stuff to, to just keep her right next to me. Mm -hmm. um, 
because you know when they're when they're out of sight and they're quiet, they're eating your <laughs> shoes. Um, so yeah, I, that's so funny that she's pulling. Uh, that's what a great idea. It's a little Doberman drafting. Yeah, I love it. I love that too. Just yanking all around. So funny. Uh, okay, next up, and our final confession from Erica. Erica says, quarantine confession, I live in Berkeley, California with my two boys, ages seven and nine. We have been homeschooling since March 16th, six weeks at this point. When lockdown took effect, I immediately announced that I was not cutting anyone's hair until we were out of quarantine. It's something that I regularly do in normal times, on top of no haircuts. Uh, sorry, I lost my space. Okay, on top of no haircuts, I am also taking a picture of them every day to document the downhill slide. I am doing this for several reasons. Number one, to document the progression of the way they look and attitudes towards each other as the days go by. And number two, one of my kids has flirted with growing their hair out previously, and I just don't think it's going to look good, but he doesn't believe me. This will spare him the humiliation of doing it in public. And finally, number three, I am lazy. Mostly, it's because I'm lazy. <laughs> Trying to juggle two kids homeschooling while doing all the housework, plus doing all the meals. There's just not enough time in the day to cut their hair. Let it grow. Yes, let it grow. What's her name? Erica. Erica, may I just present to you, you're not lazy. You are an efficiency enthusiast. <laughs> and there's a big difference. Yes. Yes, there is. And remember, the National Procrast Procrastination Awareness Month is in December. <laughs> Love it. Um, that's our quarantine confessions, everybody. Thank you for submitting them. Awesome. Yeah. Hit them up at, hit us up with them at Daily Beans Pod on Twitter. Twitter. And uh, you can check us out too at Muller She Wrote on Twitter. Yes. That's where I spend yes. a lot of my time. I've been watching The Office so much and Michael Scott always says, yes. <laughs> like, yes. 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 Jordan, are you there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where'd you pick up? Because the way you say hello, you're always like, hello. Where'd you pick that up from? Dude, I have no idea. It, uh, I do it the same way every time, and every time I'm not consciously doing it. So I have I have no idea. Hello. Yeah, I don't know. Hello. Yeah. I think the intro, you know, where I say hello and welcome to the Daily Beans. I picked that up, I think, from Robert Timothy of Science Faction and Degenerate Pod. I used to be on his pod. Mm -hmm. And I think he picked it up from Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello. And and I think that's just sort of the uh, evolution of that. But uh, yeah, funny. yours is very distinct. Yeah. Your hello. I also enter stage like that. And that's been pointed out before because they're like, um, what's wrong with you? No, <laughs> why are you starting like that? <laughs> why are you talking so weird? And then I go on to talk and I kind of have a weird voice, but it's not as weird as literally the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I get on stage. <laughs> mm. Hello. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love but it. Then I have That's to be like, welcome. hey guys, sup. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Sup. Hey, what's up? Who's drinking tonight? <laughs> yeah. And then you hump the stool yeah. and you're totally golden. Yeah. Thank you. I'll take my million dollars in Netflix special. I'll be here yep. forever. I'll be here all night. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be here forever. <laughs> I'll show myself. Hello. I'll show myself out. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much again for sending us uh, these wonderful, uplifting, and hilarious uh, stories. Please continue to do so. We, we love to put it at the end of the show so that we can end on a high note. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Jordan? Um, no, I do not. Yeah, uh, me neither, other than my uh, typical ones, which are, everyone, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>